Greetings, adventures, and welcome to GNGG Cast. Welcome, everyone, to Good Night and Good Game, your Geek News Roundup for the week that was. I'm your host, James, and with me this week, as always, is my co-host, Hector. Hello. And this week on the show, after the news, it's time to talk about the future of gaming, (laughs) now that Sony has acquired Bungie. So much gravitas. (laughs) Before we start, don't forget that you can head over to goodnight.gg, where as a patron of our show, you can see just topics for us to talk about. So we have finished the PT episode. It hasn't been posted yet. We had a little bit of a technical problem with the Patreon website. Um, It's all been resolved and ironed out right now. I just got to get it up, so I'm going to try and get it up this weekend. So sorry about that. It is ready to go. It will be posted soon. So with all that out of the way, it is time for the prelude. Prelude. All right, this is the prelude. This is what we've been doing with ourselves this week, what we've been playing, what we've been watching, what has been occupying our free time. Hector, what have you been doing this week? Uh, let's see. So we were out last week for the winter storm. We were. Um, the, the week before the annual winter storm. <laughs> the, uh, the week before that, did I talk about Deep Rock Galactic? Uh, you have before, yes. I have. Okay, yeah. So I've been playing a lot of that. It's a wonderful game. Not to repeat myself because that was two weeks ago, but play that game. Um, I'm almost done with the third season of What We Do in Shadows. How are you loving? And oh my God, like, (laughs) so the end of season two, I was like, oh man, this show just kind of kept getting better. That's pretty sweet. It's funnier now than it was in season one. Mm -hmm. I say casually season three is like some of the best comedy I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And every episode gets funnier. Mm -hmm. I don't know how they're still doing it. It it makes no sense to me, but it's amazing what they're accomplishing with that show. Um, Raised by Wolves, second season has dropped. Okay. What is, um, what is the concept of Raised by Wolves? That is impossible to explain to <laughs> okay. anyone listening. Let what, me. What kind of how show? How do is I it? pitch this show? This is a incredibly sh- a sci-fi show um, <clears throat> that is, I believe, has something to do with Ridley Scott. Uh, please forgive me if I'm wrong, but I'm almost positive. Um, it is the weirdest sci-fi you have ever seen, and I can promise you that. Outside mm-hmm. of maybe like some random obscure '80s shit that didn't make any money, this is the strangest sci-fi so I've like- ever seen. So a basic plot is these... Like Event Horizon weird? Uh, Let me describe to you the basic plot first episode. Okay. So these uh, ship crash lands on um, uh, Kepler, uh, the the closest Goldilocks zone planet we have found as humans. And this is true. Mm. That's a real thing. That's a real place uh, in our universe. Um, Ship lands there. Two incredibly awkward androids pop out and start talking to each other. Mm -hmm. They call each other mother and father. Later in the episode, the, uh, I'm using air quotes now, radio, um, (laughs) female android gives birth to six children, six human children. Um, And um, then the two androids proceed to raise them. On this desolate planet where there is nothing. They're literally building their own shelters, gathering their own water, foraging their own food, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Um, yeah, and they're it. They're, they're, they're all there is on this entire mm. planet. And yeah. you're like, okay, that's interesting. So then a, um, a warship shows up. Uh, like, like a massive, like, oh, God, we're coming to this planet. We need to inhabit it. Mm-hmm. These people are obviously from Earth. Mm-hmm. And the uh, female android proceeds to, and we, we have not seen any kind of weaponization from these androids so far, um, literally 
spread her wing, spread her arms out as if they were wings or as if she's being crucified, mm-hmm. fly up to the ship, kill everyone on board, and just crash it into the planet. Wow. By herself. There were probably tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people on this, on this craft. Okay. Yeah. And that was because it, she considered it a threat to the children. And then the first episode kind of ends. Okay. Yeah, and so that's that's raised by wolves again. The absolute strangest sci-fi I've ever seen, and I am doing nothing to describe to you how wicked this is when you see it. Mm. It is all just insane. I'm actually going to make James watch the first episode sometime between now and the next time we do a show. Okay, uh, because it's just that fucking cool. Uh, but yeah, Raised by Wolves. The second season started last Friday. Is that HBO? Or? HBO Max. Okay. Um, the first two episodes dropped. They're incredible because the whole first season was incredible. Mm-hmm. And they have obviously a much bigger budget this season. So okay. they're like really getting going with like the cool shit. Very nice. It's a much more expansive uh, season, you yeah. can tell. Um, yeah. Uh, the only other thing I did is I finished The Expanse. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, you did too. I did too. Yeah. And we have, uh, I mean, we have thoughts. We should probably put them together and do something with that. Yeah, we should do like a Patreon Expanse episode. Yeah, like the whole thing, like books and show to the end of the show sort of thing. I think we should do them separate. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. So The Expanse, by the way, I would know that we've been just really... Like telling everybody to watch the show. The show is over now. Go on Amazon. Please watch The Expanse. Yeah. Holy fucking shit. It is some of the best sci It is hard to sell me sci-fi. This is the show that sells me sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Like it just my sci-fi to me has to be very grounded. Um, so Star Trek's always a hard sell for me. I, I think the actual terminology that they call it is hard sci-fi. Yes. So hard sci-fi is like aliens and like things that are very rooted in like the technology we have now that hard sci-fi is what I like. Yeah. And the expanse is very much hard sci-fi. The science behind the way that the ships move, all of it is just very, you know, based in reality. And it is some of the most fascinating television you'll ever watch. Absolutely. Like, please watch the expanse. Uh, let's see here. I watched a couple things. So obviously I finished the expanse. Um, I've been watching the great on Hulu. Uh, the great is, was originally a play that they've turned into a TV and it is, um, called the great asterisk an occasionally true story. The great (laughs) is the story of Catherine the great and her marriage to Peter and Russia and her taking the throne and basically trying to turn Russia into a better place when her husband is basically a giant man child. And it's hilarious. Like this show has no right to be as funny as it is. Because the whole time you cut, you know where the story is obviously supposed to end with. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like this German girl who marries this Russian prince and like her trying to deal with like the weirdness of Russia. Like they, they, they try to explain the culture of Russia to her a lot. And they're just like, no, like you really aren't going to convince people to be happy. Like people are pretty much miserable here. And that's just the existence that we have trying to convince people in Russia to be happy. is just like, you're going too far with this. And the whole time you're watching the show, it's so over the top and so ridiculous, but it also has heartfelt moments. Um, you know, like Peter is a character is like just hilarious because like he realizes that like he needs his wife happy all the time. And so he realizes that running a country, he, you know, can't just be there to please her. So like he finds this, this guy, 
um, to be like her sex slave. Oh, okay. And, like, like hires him for that position. Like he he cannot procreate, um, so he'll be great, you know, because you got you have to give me an heir. Um, but you know, when we're not having sex for procreation, here's this guy that I've presented to you that you just like get, get to get down with. And she's just like, this is weird, and I'm kind of grossed out by this. And he's like, I I thought this was a kind gesture. Like I thought this would make you happy. <laughs> Fucking um, rich people, man. <laughs> right. And so like it's such a baffling show, and she does come from way less. You know, she doesn't come from like uh, the nobility background that he right. does. So a lot of this is very weird to her. Mm-hmm. And it's this kind of culture shock. And also, by the way, there's a lot of um, it's definitely not a show that roots itself in the time period in right. the sense that the everything in the time period is accurate, like weapons, um, clothing, all that stuff is. Mm-hmm. But the dialogue is not written that way. It's very anachronistic. Okay. Um, like Peter will just be talking about something and he'll be like, yeah. And you know, like, honestly, it's so hard to get like a really good salsa verde around here. And you're like, you know, that is not something that they had access to, <laughs> you know, but like, that's just the way that they, they talk. And so okay. the, the uh, language is very modern. Mm. It's very, you know, up to date. Um, and I think that's one of the, th- the pros to the show is that you can watch it and not feel like it's not like you're watching Downton Abbey where right. everybody's so rooted in the time period that it's okay. like almost stifling, but it's meant to be funny. It's, it is a comedy. So please like, yeah, it's called the great it's on Hulu. Highly recommend. Yeah. Yeah. No, that reminds me a little bit of, um, uh, the last duel, which I think I talked about last time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just, uh, you know, every once in a while they'll sneak in a line that's just like meant for the audience Yeah, and it's great. Yeah. Um, I started the Witcher. Um, that's been a little bit rough because something that heavy has been difficult for me to watch recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm enjoying it, but like, man, that show, like I watch like one or two a week, maybe I'm just like taking my time with the Witcher. That's fair. Um, I've been playing through inscription. One mm-hmm. of the best indie titles to come out of last year. It is a CCG roguelike. We've talked about it before. Absolutely. Please get the inscription, but there's one thing that we have to very briefly talk about before we wrap up the prelude. And that is you and I've been playing a game together. Yes, we have. We've been playing a game called it takes two. Yeah. It was the uh, Game Awards Game of the Year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for good reason. Like, yeah. it, uh, I, I, I'm, I'll, I'll speak for myself. I've, I have had an amazing amount of fun with this game. Yeah. And we're, we're not done with it yet, but, like, how do I put it? Um, there's... It's a 3D platformer. There are puzzles everywhere. There's all kinds of gamey stuff to do. But nearly everything requires a two-person solution. But more than that, it requires communication. Mm -hmm. You can get through it watching your partner's screen, but you really kind of got to be talking to each other for things to go smoothly and cooperating. Mm -hmm. Even if, you you know, you you don't feel like it. Even if you can, instead of cooperating, really fuck over the person (laughs) going through the puzzle, which can be fun. It was weird for us because while we're playing this game, um, we're playing separately at home on our P- uh, yep. respective PCs. Mm-hmm. But when you're playing the game cooperatively, it's still split screen, even yeah. if you're playing in two different locations. And I have to be honest, it felt like you were sitting next to me yeah. just because of that one trick. That one trick, but also that one trick super important because mm-hmm. I get to watch your... There are certain puzzles that can only be solved while you are watching the other person's screen. Right. And if not for that, then the game would be much, much more difficult. Right. Like You need to see what your partner sees. You need to see things through their eyes so that you want understand when they fail a challenge mm-hmm. and so you're not frustrated by it because right. you don't know what's so going like, as on as an example there. there's one of the puzzles that we solved recently where it, there it was an on rails thing right mm-hmm. like you had to be on a rail yes and i had to manipulate the barriers that were in front of you correct yeah and they were all they're all labeled like children's toys so like yep. one has a cute you know hand-stitched pig one has a cow one has a fox one has a dog yep. and i have to be like okay i need cow right now and you're like all i have is pig fox dog and chicken and i'm like shit let me 
hop over to Doug. Right. And it just goes back and forth like that. Um, yeah. It, it, it's a fascinating game. There's a reason why it won the awards that it did. Um, if you're looking for something to play with a friend or play with your partner, this is mm-hmm. the perfect game. It does. It's a game that encourages communication. Like it it's, it's, does. Like, yeah. honestly, out there for anyone listening, if you have a partner that's even remotely interested in games that you play, mm-hmm. have them play this game with you. Yeah. And it's not difficult no. in air quotes. Like, you know, it's it's challenging, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's not hard to control. We've never been stuck on anything. Really. No, no, no. It's not hard to control. You can get it. You can accomplish the physical hand of the controller if you can understand the puzzles yeah. and as long as you one of you speaks video game you'll understand all the, the biggest puzzles. challenge you had was just making sure your ps5 controller worked with your computer oh shit yeah because like it's like it works great on steam it kind of works on game pass when i fuck with it but then game pass opened up ea and yep. then ea is like a whole different kettle of fish so yeah <laughs> that, that, that was rough but yeah it takes two absolutely fantastic i'm looking forward to playing more of it with you um, it's a, there's a reason we play on the weekends because mm-hmm. usually during the work week, I'm work week, I'm so burned out. Yeah. But on the weekends, I'm like, yeah, let's just jump in and like play this. And by the way, the chapters are basically an hour long. So yeah. you can jump in and just play a chapter or two and feel like you accomplished a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do one before dinner. It's yeah, good. absolutely. All right. That's everything we have for the prelude this week. We're going to take a small break. When we come back, we'll be going into our main news segment in the weekly raid. It's time for the weekly raid. Hey everyone. Welcome back to the show. This is the weekly raid. Our news highlights for the week. So let's start things off with a quick horror update. Shudder has announced their horror anthology series, Creepshow, has been renewed for a season four. Sweet. I mean, if you I had, can't believe there have already been three seasons. It is so good. We're so behind in Creepshow. We, God, yeah, yeah. That, that's when we, we're going to have to pick up. Yeah, we're just going to have to like, binge that. Yeah, once Bubble Fett's like, over today, we, we, we should just like add a Shudder thing. I know, right? We need to do that or just like do a sleepover like one weekend oh, dude, and just like, yeah. binge, binge Creepshow. That'd be awesome. Um, so yeah, Creepshow's going to be renewed. Everybody's coming back. I mean, it's a brilliant series if you haven't seen it. Again, with an anthology, it can be hit or miss. But I mean, you get multiple stories per episode, so it, there's always at least one one that you'll enjoy. Also for Shudder that was announced this week, Brian Fuller, the mind behind Hannibal pushing daisies, dead like me is making a four part limited documentary series called queer for fear. Queer for fear is going to quote, explore the influence of the LGBTQ community through the horror genres. According to Fuller as queer people, we are considered outside of society and horror is outside of society. What it means to not be accepted by society, but have a soul. Hmm. I Holy think shit. I, this is going to be fantastic. I, I, I can't wait. Yeah. I mean, Hannibal's one of my top five shows of all time. Right. And that's a show that honestly, even without the fan fiction aspect of it, the mm-hmm. people say it's very queer coded. Oh, yes. And, oh, and yeah. even the actors agree. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, yeah, very much is. Like, that's very intentional when we come into our scenes. To, no, like, there's yeah. a scene at the um, uh, in season three uh, that I remember reading about after watching it because it affected me greatly in Hannibal, where. Um, uh, I was just reading people's comments down in the comment section, and one guy goes, man, when those guys were fighting, that wasn't a fight. That mm-hmm. was a fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, those guys were fucking. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading that and going, wow, that's true. I missed that, and that's very true. Yep. <clears throat> so Brian Fuller, I think, is the best person to kind of bring this kind of story to, to stage, and I'm looking forward to this. I mean, mm-hmm. Shudder's been absolutely fantastic, you know. It's definitely worth... By the way, again, it's five bucks a month. Yeah, like, if that. On, like, if like that. it's so, so it's inexpensive. Yeah, you are missing out if you do not have a Shudder And there account. is tons of content. If you like horror at all, if you are not abjectly averse to horror, you should have a Shudder account. Absolutely. Shudder, please sponsor us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Snoop Dogg is working on a horror anthology comic called Tales from the Crypt. 
that will release this <laughs> fall. The book is said to be inspired by EC comics like Tales from the Crypt and Haunt of Fear. Awesome. I, I can't wait to see what he's going to do with this. I had no idea that he was a horror fan. Yeah, no, me neither. And yeah. also, like, this is an interesting genre to put horror into. Also, I think this is, like, this This news came out the same day that he just, like, bought his the, the record label. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, all That's this happened, dead. like, on the same day. So, like, good on Snoop Dogg. He's <laughs> yeah, just, fucking he, A. He's, he's making moves at his age. Good. Epics is working on a docu-series called The Amityville Murders. Unlike the typical Amityville movies, this series will be about the real-life murders that inspired the ghost stories in the films that we all know. So is it a, another dramatized series sticking closer to the actual murders? This is, this is sticking or is to it the, a documentary the, this on is, those murders? So, so this is, the docu-series is more about the actual reality of what actually transpired in the house. Okay, Not cool. the ghost part of it, the right. like... These people actually did like kill each other and then they made a whole to do about it. And this is kind of, I don't know if they'll touch on the fact. That sounds cool. I I don't think they'll, I don't know if they'll touch on the fact that like they kind of use that to manipulate the story to make the ghost story that they sold at some point. But there's a lot of fascinating stuff about what actually happened in the Amityville house that has nothing to do with ghosts. Yeah, no, that sounds great. Yeah. Robert England of Freddie fame is working on a project with Netflix called choose or die. The concept is quote, After firing up a lost 80s survival horror game, a young coder unleashes a hidden curse that tears reality apart, forcing her to make terrifying decisions and face deadly consequences. 80s survival horror. So Oregon Trail. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is kind of weird. This could go one of two ways, I think. Mm -hmm. Because we, as we've learned... Movies that are about games that are not based on games do t- sometimes work. Yeah, it depends on if the person making the movie wants to make a stupid video game movie right. or if like, they want like, to. And this is a, probably a poor example, but like Free Guy was kind of a fun movie at least. Yeah, I guess. But yeah, but that's but it, a perfect example. It was, it was in on the joke. Of, of a movie about video games that's not about a video, video game, game. And it just right. ends up being so fan servicey. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how this goes. Um, it's in production right now over at Netflix, so we'll see uh, you know how this is going to go. But going back to what we just talked about during the prelude, Hector, mm. the co-op game of the year for 2021, It Takes Two, yeah. is being adapted. Right now, it's unknown if it's going to be a film or television series, uh, but Hazelight Studios is working with production company DJ2 Entertainment to find a new home for the game. So with us having played It Takes Two, a story, by the way, that is about a relationship that is failing, and the whole point of it is the two of you fixing your relationship. Mm -hmm. We've been fixing our relationship for the last couple weekends. Indeed. Do you think that this uh, game is going to translate well to uh, either a television series or movie? It would probably make a... I mean, honestly, this... I don't mean to have a bigger conversation about this. No, but the please game, do, please do. Uh, the game was made in such a way that it would be entertaining to people who don't necessarily spend time playing video games. So I think because of the way it's written, because of the way it's acted, that it would animate perfectly into a TV show or a movie, depending on if it was written well and faithfully and, and nicely adapted. Yeah. It would probably be a really fun roller coaster ride and at the same time very touching. Yeah. If 
done right by like Sony Studios or Pixar. I keep mm. think, visualizing it as animated because I really can't I think, see this honestly, being live it, action. It, it's beautifully animated as a video game. So exactly, it's, it's a Honey I Shrunk the Kids, right? Yeah. And because um, we've been hearing uh, rumors and rumors forever about a uh, God of War movie, mm. and everyone keeps going like, "Oh, who's going to play Kratos? Who's going to play Kratos?" And then the like, person fucking Christopher Judge. Judge. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. Like, you know, people throw out stuff like, "Oh, the guy who plays the mountain." It's like, mm. no, that's no, you, you did it wrong. Yeah, that's not how you do that. But but my point is, is that the games are so close to movies. That's why I brought up God of War. Yeah. Um, that. You know, yeah, they're, they're going to adapt well as long as the people adapting them understand the source material. It, it's almost the same for, like, books and shit now. Sure. Like, as long as they love the actual material and aren't just making a thing off of a popular, popular other property, mm-hmm. it'll probably be good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's been confirmed that Scream 6 will not only happen, but is looking to begin production this summer. Well, yeah, well, I mean, we, we saw Scream. Yeah, we had yeah. a good time. Yeah, it was a good time. I... So... <sighs> I'm nervous they're rushing into it as quick as they are. Oh, for sure. I think Scream movies need to have time. Now, I mean... The like people, two or three years, the, the, right? The people, who, the people who were working on Scream when they were asked after it was wrapped and came out, like, do you have plans for another one? They're like, oh, yeah, we absolutely had plans for a sequel, which makes me feel a little bit more comfortable. But I just... I feel like Scream needs to have a little bit of breathing room, a little time for the horror genre to evolve a little bit, to right. change a little bit, you know. So, and, and here's the thing, like, if they take the if they take the time, here's the thing, if they take the time to, like, write an, like, like a whole new Scream movie, and it came out pretty damn good, and in the time between they're writing the script and they're writing, and they're making the movie, they have time to, like, you know, put together ideas for a sequel, hopefully... They're not just writing a story, but they're writing... They, they continue to write the evolution of the genre mm-hmm. um, into the story, I, I guess. Is that's, it, 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 that's the most important thing, is the evolution mm-hmm. of the genre has to be a part of the whole thing. Right. And because Scream, you know, it gets progressively more and more meta until it's not meta anymore because it's referencing referencing itself in itself and, right. like, literally the entire cast like, is in on the just, joke. It's just an Ouroboros of just, like, yeah. commentary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's no longer like branching out into the real world because all of the media literacy takes place in the movie. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. And so, yeah, it's, I mean, I don't know. Okay. We'll see. So, before we head into the boss room, we have a big section to cover here. I want to hit some of the highlights from this week's Nintendo Direct. Okay, yeah. We don't have time to cover everything. But we need to get to some of the bigger stuff on this because yeah. holy crap, Nintendo Direct hit this week and wow. So, uh, Fire uh, Emblem Three Houses is going to be getting a sequel, but instead of the sequel being a, another Fire Emblem game, mm-hmm. it's going to be a Musou-style uh, Dynasty Warriors game. Yeah. And it's going to be coming out. opened with that. It's going to be coming out on June 24th. Mm-hmm. So, Persona did this. Mm-hmm. Persona came out with Persona 5, yep. and they're like, okay, so instead of going to the next Persona, like we're going to hire the company who makes Dynasty Warriors to make a sequel to persona five and it's just going to be a beat em up and you know what i'm cool with this approach it's not a bad yes i i, I agree um there's something to be said about cleansing your palate mechanically while still fall like while still enjoying the same story right yeah like i don't need to have another 
300 hours in Persona 5, but I do want to hang out with these characters a little bit. Yep. And so you gave me a game that was an action game that still had the all the RPG elements from a Persona game. It just wasn't a turn-based Persona game. Mm-hmm. And so them doing this with Fire Emblem, I'm kind of feeling the same way about it. I'm like, God, I do kind of miss these characters a little bit. Like, yeah. I, Fire Emblem is a game that is one of the rare games that... I have now picked it up and I'm in my third playthrough of it. Mm-hmm. And it's a turn-based tactical game, y'all. Yeah. Like it, it takes, takes a time. long time to play this. But because of the three houses about three main characters, I wanted to experience all their stories. Yeah. And so I think that taking a break from the turn-based aspect and going to the action aspect, I'm super excited about. Yeah. And uh, Nintendo's comfortable in the space. Let's not forget Hyrule Warriors. Yeah. I mean, they, they've done Again, they did this. That's the same company. They hired yeah. that company to do it. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, yeah. And and people the reception to that wasn't bad. It was pretty much like, what the what the fuck did you, what what is this? Why did you do this to Link? And then they played it, and they were like, "Oh!" And they were like, "Holy shit! This is right, one of the best selling fun. games of the year." Yeah. Oh, so No Man's Sky is coming to the Switch. <laughs> okay. What yeah. the fuck? Yeah, I mean, I guess I, yeah, the Switch can do anything with a cloud, apparently. Yeah, it, yeah. And that was a big thing about everything that was going on. There were mm. a couple games that were shown here that they had like the cloud attached to, but they didn't make a big deal of it. They just said like, "This has cloud sync," or "This is played through the cloud." Right. Like, well, they're, they're trying not to make a big deal about the fact that the Switch is, like, a generation behind. Like, like it wasn't as powerful as a PS4. Yeah. And PS4s aren't how we measure things anymore. Yeah. So, and they've said very publicly that they're not planning on having any kind of new Switch for, like, like, like they, they basically said we're midway through our console generation. Right. So, like, we have two and a half, three years mm-hmm. before they talk about their next, like, piece of machinery. Yeah. It is very, very quickly becoming massively underpowered for mm-hmm. anything that gets released. We saw the same thing happen with Wii. Yep. So, I mean, they're, they're really ramping up their own, and we see this with the Nintendo Direct, their own games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one of the things they showed was the new Mario Strikers game. Yeah, and that, so oh, that looks it's a, it's, a, it's a Mario soccer game. I love Mario you, Strikers. So, the so one for the Wii was awesome. Yeah, I can't be fucked to play a sports game to save my life. Never. If you're like, here's MLB or here's like NFL or Madden or whatever. I'm like, I can't be fucked to play that. Mm-mm. But you hand me a Sega Genesis and Mutant League football, and I'm like, I am all about this. Oh, yeah. Mario Strikers is fun as hell. So is Mario Tennis. They make yeah. the So is Mario Golf. They make the game That's more true. fun. They, we did play Mario Golf together. Yeah, we it played so Mario Golf. Fun. It's a good game, and they, and they make good sports games. And you know what? If you handed me a controller with a NASCAR game, even Gran Turismo really isn't my flavor. Right. Real cars, real places, real stats. I real, respect it. I, I respect that. Oh, hell. yeah. Yeah. The people who love to sim that shit, more power yeah, to you. Love it. it. Yeah, no disrespect whatsoever. The but. only sim you're going to get me into is a mech sim. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't don't sit me in front of a fucking. But yeah, yeah, but, like like but, a real football team, like, right? But Mario soccer, and they're just like, here, you can power up your moves and do all that. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, and the fact that they put. Um, it, it, nobody made a big deal of this. They have leagues in there you can make. Yeah. You can get together with like seven other friends and make make a league and like actually compete like esports like soccer. Yeah, yeah. Like, you can just make cool. a season where you just play games like every couple yeah, days or something. I love so. that. Uh, Portal and Portal 2 mm-hmm. coming to the Switch. Very, very nice. Yeah. Wonderful games. Uh, great co-op, which is good. And okay, yeah. they have online and local and split screen co-op. Right. Yeah. yeah that's and good. Th- that, that's all. That, that's all very feature. And complete. yeah, a lot of people were just like, "Oh yeah, it's just Portal getting released to something else." I'm like, "Yeah, but like this is Portal coming to a Switch, my friend. Like yeah. this is Valve and Nintendo being friends. Like think about how many they, people. They friends. Think about how many people who have a Switch, a Switch, mind you, mm. who have never the con- ever the played con- for- console, not a person who's a Switch. Yeah, that's no, a completely different. Yeah, no, no, one of those. No, no. Yeah. A a the, the number of people who own a Nintendo Switch. 
that have never even heard of Portal. Yeah. It's probably big. It's probably yeah. huge. Yeah. And it seems like the type of game like a kid could get and really get their parents into. Um, who Absolutely. didn't play it, you know, 15 years ago when it came out on Steam. Yeah. They showed off this game that was uh, Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Hey, Kirby ate a fucking car. Right? And my he first car. And my first thought was you wouldn't inhale a car. Right? <laughs> From the old piracy car. I gotta say that of all the 2D platformers that we've seen make the transition to 3D, you mm. know, your Sonics, your Castlevanias, your Marios. For whatever fucking reason, Kirby translates so well. It does, yeah. Well, he just, he's always had, like, floaty mechanics and, like, yeah. it was easy to put him where you wanted to. Uh, yeah, no, it's it should be very, very And everybody can just relate to just wanting to eat everything. Yeah, and I would love, like, I, I would love, like, the, uh, like, a main Kirby title since he's been so, much like Monster Hunter in the past, so relegated to the mobile space yeah. back when it was all Nintendo's world. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, a big, like, a big screen release for Kirby. Yeah, mm. bring it on. Yeah, seriously. And we're almost to the end of it, except we didn't cover everything here, but these are a lot of the highlights. Um, the first two front mission games are being remade and are coming to the Switch. I, I almost, it was like 11 p.m., but I almost like texted you to be like, dude, are you looking at this front mission shit? Right. So I was, I know of the front mission series, mm -hmm. which is a, it is a turn-based tactical mech game. Mm -hmm. And all of these things is literally James's shit. If you had to like yep. write James's shit on the wall, that's literally just all of the boxes. Yep. And I've never played them before. And then they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, we're remastering the first one. And then at the very end of it, they're like, by the way, we're also going to bring out the second one as well. And I went, fuck, man. Like, I've always, wa the time. I've always wanted to play them. Yep. Like, fuck, this is, this is great for and, me. And, you know, the tactical games and the Switch lets you do it, like, while you're watching TV. Yeah. Up on some and TV. that's the thing is I, it's so much easier. For, I've been playing Langreaser, yeah. or as it's called Warsong here in the U.S. I bought uh, Langreaser 1 and 2 because 2's never came to, uh, came to the U.S. Ooh. And so I've been playing those on my Switch. And, God, having a tactical turn-based game where I'm just like, I'm sitting they're watching the witcher and i'm like yeah hey, it's time to take my turn to do move some dudes all right cool like back to it like oh i love it there's a comfort that's a comfort zone for me like oh yeah like if i'm sick like put me on the couch with some tomato soup like a turn-based tactical thing and like throw something like kind of brainless on the tv and i'm like i'm good yeah like just give that to me um also kind of in turn base they showed off advanced wars one and two oh, yeah. as remakes mm -hmm. um, those are coming out like april 8th yeah, yeah i've never the, played i never played the advanced wars games oh okay they're, they're, they're very simple turn-based tactical games or they're, mm -hmm. they're meant to be beginners games but god if i don't want to play them yeah no they, they look super super cute mm -hmm. like like just absolutely adorable and i had this midway through our notes but i felt like i had to end with this and how they didn't end with this, I don't fucking know. Fucking the sequel to Chrono Trigger, Chrono Cross, <laughs> is being remastered. Yeah. It's going to be coming out on April 7th. And, and uh, it's going to come packaged with the previous unreleased text-based adventure that's a prequel to the game called Radical Dreamers. Oh, that's this, was, this has only been something you could play either in emulation that was fan translated or you, you had to be in Japan mm -hmm. uh, or Europe. Europe got a release of it too as well. Um, but Radical Dreamers is this like just um, visual or not even a visual novel. It's just a text-based 
uh, adventure you played that took place before Chrono Cross. And for years, American audiences who were hardcore Chrono Cross fans were like, God, can we please get a translation of this over there? And they just dropped it right at the end. It was like, here's the remake of Chrono Cross. And I'm already there, just like tears in my eyes because the music fucking, the, the music to Chrono Cross like brings something primal into me where I just get sad. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I'm going to be sad and just like, but again, a good sad. It's a good sad. Yeah. And then they were like, and also radical dreamers. And I'm like, the what? <laughs> you did not. I was like, the fucking what, y'all? And you just dropped this in the middle of the Nintendo Direct. And I got to say, one of the things I, I wanted to kind of start this off with that I completely forgot to mention, I love how no bullshit Nintendo Directs are. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, in, it's, it's just trailers. In, in other... You watch like Sony press conferences or Microsoft ones, and they're just like, mm-hmm. so let's tell you all about the tech behind this and all these things and blah, 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 yeah. blah. Nintendo's like, all right, guys, we have like 20 video games to get through that are all coming out in the next eight months. Strap the fuck in. Yeah. Some guy walks up and he's like, look, I'm making a visual PowerPoint to represent our processing power. And then they just slap him and kick him out the window. Right. <laughs> let him fall to his death. It's like, no, we got 20 trailers, bro. We got to get through this shit. Exactly. Yeah. Like the cringiest part of the whole presentation was like, the, the creative director of the tennis game playing around with the presenter. Oh, right. Wii Sports. That was a thing. Yeah. Wii oh, Sports. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Sports yeah, is yeah, coming back. Switch Sports? Yeah, it's Wii called Switch, Switch Sports. Sports. It's called Switch Sports. Switch Sports, yeah. Which is totally something different like a BDSM community. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally Switch, switching Sports is... Um, <laughs> They're, they're, it's a category. It's a category it all yeah. of its own. It's one of the categories. Yeah, you can Switch search Sports for is it. coming out. But yeah, Nintendo Direct, absolutely fantastic. What a mm-hmm. way, great way to spend 40 minutes. I had, I had a blast. Yeah. All right, that is everything that we have for the news this week. And when we come back, we'll be getting into our main topic in the Boss Room. Boss Room. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. This is the Boss Room, our main topic for the show. Sometimes it's related to the news, sometimes not. So over the last couple of weeks, some huge news hit, and sadly, we were snowed out and <laughs> unable to talk about it. So Sony acquired Destiny developer Bungie for $3.6 billion. That seems like a normal amount. Totally normal amount. So part of this deal is to get Bungie to help, uh, help Sony because they don't have very many, quote, live service games for PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Um, let's define live service real quick. Games that uh, uh, c- persistently online, persistently online, mm-hmm. and usually have some kind of uh, money. Money is associated with right, it. right, so, right. You can think of anything from like an MMO to something a little bit more like Destiny. Yeah, um, yeah, and and Xbox has a ton of these, and most studios. Hell, have Halo these. Infinite has battle passes you pay for, right? Yeah, Activision has these. EA has these. Uh, you know, uh, Ubisoft has these. Um, Sony ha- just doesn't have this. No, they don't. Um, they've tried to set up online games in the past, and they've had some success, but usually it's just when they're attached to other properties. Yeah. And they never stick around for very long. Like, yeah. the best online presence they had for the longest time was Destiny 1, now that I think about it. That was back on the PlayStation 4. Before that, it was like Final Fantasy 14 on the PlayStation 3. So, yeah, they just don't have any. No, it wasn't even Final Fantasy on that. I guess in terms of live service, one of the biggest ones they had was The Last of Us. That was just like a multiplayer mode. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Sony doesn't have a lot of live service things. Mm -hmm. So their acquisition of Bungie is a really big deal. So this this main topic is going to break down into two parts. 
Um, first, we're going to start with Sony's acquiring Bungie, and then I want to move into the future of gaming as it stands now. So I don't want to get too heavy into the details. Let's start with Sony acquiring Bungie. What does that mean? Is it a good or bad thing? What are our thoughts? Go. Okay. Yeah. Just so, jump into it. Yeah. I don't know if you have this in the notes. I'm sure it's in there somewhere, but uh, most of them, a, a good not, a good chunk of the money that Sony paid to Bungie was to keep the talent. Apparently they have a large, large amount of that money set aside as um, incentive bonuses to keep their staff in place over time, meaning months, if not years into the future. And it's, that's it's, huge. But it's huge because based on the size of the staff and like the fact that the purchase cost was in the billions, there's literally enough money there to give every employee about a million dollars. Obviously, that's not the way it's going to work out because they're going to try and keep salaries high and then have incentive programs to bring people in, et cetera, et cetera. And the big move, the re the reason this is a really, really good deal for Sony is be not because Sony gets Destiny or Bungie or any of that or can mm -hmm. fuck with it, which they've said they're not going to do, mm -hmm. but they want to pay those staff members as much as they can because they need to borrow them. Mm -hmm. They need to borrow them and bring them over to other games and be like, how build live service plucks for, for this game? Yep. How do I do this? And I don't know, maybe fucking Naughty Dog needed help. Maybe. Maybe when they're making, you know, The Last of Us stuff. Um, maybe I mean, Ghost it's, of Tsushima it's, it's is been planning what, something. It's been a year, two years since The Last of Us came out. Yeah. And they were supposed to bring us a multiplayer game at some point. They were. And it, it, apparently it's still in the works, yeah. but I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, th this is everything that Sony wants. And they didn't pay a uh, end world hunger amount of money for it. Right. So... And the company is firing on all cylinders. Like Destiny, the only thing wrong with Destiny 2 right now is the pricing model. The, 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 the way that they monetize the game and the fairness which with their systems work, especially the transmog thing, don't even get me started. Mm -hmm. But the worst part about Destiny is what you get for your dollar and the longevity of the content because sometimes you just scrap some of it because it no longer works with the current weapon set. Right. Destiny 2 is an RPG that, as it continues, uh, much like early WoW, suffers from power creep very, mm. very badly. And they're, and they're working on it. It's a very good game. It's one of the best shooters I've still ever played. And, and if the numbers are anything, I mean, it's obviously one of the better games out there right Yeah, now and in, in its genre, it is entirely unique and at the top of its class. Yeah. It's just, I wish they monetized it better. Yeah. Um, but th there's a lot of expertise there. There's a lot of really good shit there. But, but what you're saying is something that we're not hearing from other big acquisitions in that Sony said, we're going to pay you all this money, but part of the money is meant for keeping the fucking talent. Right. And that's the thing. We don't want the name. Yeah. The name's great and all, yeah. but it's the people who are making the thing that we want to keep. Yeah. And that's what struck me so hard about the, um, the Activision Blizzard deal with Microsoft was for about 70 billion dollars seven zero then billion with a b they got a an company. unfathomable amount of money by uh, the way. it literally can end world hunger with that money yeah. like like there are plans in place it, it, you could do you it. could actually do you that. just write the check yeah um yeah you don't that they got a bunch of failing companies with a largely unhappy trying to unionize or exiting staff mm -hmm. and no one no one will try and work for this company 
like as a goal in their life between now and when Microsoft takes over. Yeah. So I, I, I kept saying when we went over this a couple of weeks ago, I don't know what Microsoft bought besides a bunch of IP, which is great. Right, which is what they, they bought of it. Essentially. They, but you need people to work on those and you need right. them to want to work for you. Right. And uh, no one at Bungie is going to leave. Right now at Activision <laughs> Blizzard, you're yeah. in the middle of like everybody either leaving or new people coming in yeah. and going like, well, we're either going to fix this company or we were abused at this company, so we're leaving. Yeah. Whereas Bungie, they're happy. Yeah, yeah. The, the everybody, people, they're about to be a lot happier. Bun Bungie's like, when you talk about people at Bungie, they're all like, yeah, we, we do pretty well. I mean, like, we crunch a little bit, but it's not so bad. And yeah. like, you know, like I, I think Bungie even put in the last couple of years policies about anti-crunch. Yep. Like if a game gets delayed, it gets delayed. We're not going to do crunch anymore. No, one of the it's things they did like, after their last uh, thing came out and they were like, yo, we need to patch some stuff. They basically said, Deep Rock Galactic does this too. Um, whenever they release a big thing and people start bringing out patches, they're like, we will see you guys in a month. Everyone's taking a month off. Right. And the community is like, cool. Right. No big deal. As long as there's nothing game breaking going on, they're like, yeah, yeah bro, see you in a month. Yeah. And, and you know what? Everyone's fine with that. Every game company should do that. Mm -hmm. When you finish and launch a product, you need people to take vacation. Yeah. Doesn't Supergiant have, have a requirement? Yeah, absolutely. Like they have like a requirement of like, you will go take vacation. Yep. Like, we will kick you out the door. Yeah. Like, you you cannot it. work on this anymore. They also have a mandatory... Um, mandatory weekends. Yeah, mandatory weekends where like your chat is turned off on the weekends. Mm -hmm. Like, sorry. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Bungie getting this extra money for just keeping the talent around, that's... That's such a happy story. We never get to talk about That's this kind of stuff. Story. Every week is just like dread in the game industry. And it's like, wow, this is great. This is, this is nice. Yeah. Um, so, so is the, good. is the acquisition of Bungie by Sony an important one for Sony? For Sony? Yes. For Sony, it will make all the difference in the world. Yeah. Over the, over the life of the PlayStation five, we will see fruits of this deal coming from now until 2025 2027 when the playstation 6 comes out you know like until then we will start seeing a lot of online and multiplayer stuff coming out of the ps5 i'm right. sure of it give it like another year or two and it'll start flowing so i have some feelings and i feel like okay so how do i put this all right so before we get in the next section which mm. is the future of gaming is there anything else that you want to say about the Sony purchase of Bungie that needs to be said right now before we get into the future of gaming? Uh, yeah. Um, the initial reaction uh, that people thought was that, oh, they just did this because uh, Microsoft bet Activision Blizzard. Right. That's not the case. These deals take months and months and months. Apparently, this one had been in the works since before Microsoft announced they bought Bethesda. Yeah. So, yeah, this has been coming for a long time. They knew what they needed. They knew what they wanted. And even inside the company, a lot of people didn't know for a long time. Same with Bethesda. Mm -hmm. Same with Activision Blizzard. Yep. Um, because shit leaks, and it leaks hard. Yep. So, yeah, nobody knew. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that, that, that was basically the last thing I wanted to say. This wasn't a reaction. This wasn't a quick kneecap, oh, my God, we need to buy something, move. Right. This wasn't them trying to keep up with the Kardashians. This was just, this is them making good business decisions. Right. So now I want to get into the future of gaming because over the last few months, we've seen big moves from both Microsoft and Sony as they buy up other game studios. And one of the things I want to talk about here is that as these trends continue and trust me, they are going to continue. Mm -hmm. Where do we see this going and moving into the next generation of gaming? And so uh, before we get to that specific question, one of the things that I wanted to tackle now that we're at this part mm -hmm. was 
one of the things that we're seeing from these respective studios, both from Microsoft and from Sony, is there's an assumption they're buying all these studios and nobody's going to play ball soon. Right. But Microsoft just put out this last week a big mission statement talking about the acquisition of Activision Blizzard. Mm -hmm. And it's a long read. It's a boring read. But I read it. I did it for y'all. And a lot of what they talk about in there is that, yes, there are some titles that will become Xbox and PC only. Sure. But things like Call of Duty, the mainstays, the big stuff, is going to remain cross-console as long as people like Sony say, yes, we still want to have Call of Duty on our system every year. Mm -hmm. They are playing ball. Yeah. They are not trying to just run the business for themselves and say, we're going to pull Call of Duty and make it Xbox only. They're saying like, no, we have existing, they have existing contracts Mm -hmm. with you. We need to honor those contracts and even talk about continuing those contracts going forward. Yeah. It's only, it's the only move they can make. Uh, The more things consolidate as we get into the future of gaming, as we are, um, we have Microsoft and Activision Blizzard and Bethesda. And, you know, the more things come under one banner, the more, the competition is starting to realize that they need each other mm-hmm. because without Sony without Sony around, Microsoft doesn't have anything to compete against and people start looking really closely and start asking a lot of questions. Yeah. Um, same with Sony. Sony's not in any danger of being perceived as a monopoly, but they're obviously a very major player and they obviously want to keep playing. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so like all the all the like consolidation and monopoly fears, and the fears that like oh, Call of Duty will be you know Xbox exclusive, and Destiny will be PlayStation exclusive. I don't, I just don't think so. I think everybody's trying to play ball with each other. They have in a to, weird way. They're trying. Well, they to- have to know because crossplay is very very popular. Mm-hmm. It's not rollback netcode, but it's not something you can put back in the bottle. Like people right. will continue to want it as long as there are video games. Mm-hmm. Um, Genie's out of the bottle at this point. Yeah, like, you can't put that shit back in. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, the the, the difference between the, the reason I, I mentioned uh, uh, rollback netcode is because that is something that now no fighting game can release without. Yep, it's just like they're, they're putting it into like games that are twenty years old at mm-hmm. this point, thirty years old at this point. So you know you, you just can't do it without it anymore. As far as cross platform play goes with multiplayer games it's getting more popular and the triple a spaces are starting to play ball Mm -hmm. they may be the only ones who can play ball but if microsoft releases call of duty and you know there are so many pcs and so many xboxes and there are far far more playstation 5s out in the world it would not make sense not to release the game on that console they're trying to make money off of that game because yeah. the games make the money. The consoles don't make the sure. money. So Sony, same shit. They, they, they don't want to drop the PC market from Destiny. Mm-hmm. Like, at all. Yeah. Like, the, that, that was huge when it came out. So now that brings us to question two, which is the future of gaming. So we've kind of touched on this topic a couple times on the show. But the, the reason it keeps getting brought up is because the future of gaming is obviously ever-evolving, ever-changing. Mm-hmm. Um we find ourselves in a situation where, you know, major players, Microsoft and Sony specifically, are purchasing other game studios. Mm-hmm. I think, and by the way, if you're unfamiliar with The Boss Room, this is the one part of the show where we do do rumor and speculation. Mm-hmm. News is always professional. It's just news. Boss Room is rumor and speculation. and We can kind of talk about these things freely. We find ourselves in a situation where, personally, I believe 
we are not looking towards consoles as a future. Right. Right. Platforms become the future at this mm-hmm. point. Right now, you know, there's the old school mentality of and this is kind of the area that Nintendo lives in, where it's like we make the new console and we make the new games that go on the new console and you buy our console to get our exclusives and do the thing. Um there's a little studio that you may have never heard of before. Um, very, very t- tiny, not not a big player in the industry for many people called Valve. Yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah, and years ago, way they, back, they they made this thing that like they were hoping was going to take off called Steam. <laughs> and this platform would be just a place where you just have all your games. Yeah, they're just on yeah, online, just, just there all the time. You can access them. And for a long time, consoles were fighting amongst each other for their exclusives, for the market share. And the thing about consoles, if you're unfamiliar with this aspect of the games industry, um, notoriously consoles cost more um, than what you pay for them when they come out. Oh, yes. So the $600 PlayStation 5 that you just got probably as of market right now is probably they lost a couple hundred dollars on that. Yep. But the idea is that you buy the console, then you're buying the games off of the console, and then it recoups its money over time. Mm-hmm. There's a, a whole ratio thing to it. But now what we're seeing is that people are looking at this little platform called Steam from 20 years ago and going, I wonder if we can do that. And this is where my speculation comes in, because... No longer, I think, are we trying to just pit these consoles against, you know, are you a PlayStation person? Are you an Xbox person? Are you a PC or whatever? Mm -hmm. We see these companies buying other video game companies. And they're not doing it just just for the IPs. I mean, that is a big deal. Mm -hmm. But they're also creating their own versions of Steam. Yes. And... I know that there was always a joke for a long time amongst gamers of, oh, I just want the one console future where I can access all (laughs) of these things, right? But as we dive deeper into these acquisitions and the things the companies are doing, I mean, what we're talking about is not necessarily a one console future, but a multi-platform solution, right? right? Where the hardware becomes irrelevant at some point and what titles you have on the platform become the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Right, so PlayStation's not worried about putting on a PS8 or whatever. Um, there could just be one console that it's all on. But the fact of the matter is, is you go, do I want the Microsoft catalog of games or do I want the Sony catalog of games? Mm-hmm. And they'll be very different. The IPs will be different. There'll be cross pollination between all of them. Everybody's going to play with each other with certain titles. Mm-hmm. But The Last of Us is not going to show up on the Xbox Store. Right. Right. And I realized I just vented and ranted there for a minute. Well, the the, the thing the thing about the thing about this future is if, you know, you like to use the Microsoft app to play Call of Duty and I like to use the PlayStation app to play Call of Duty, they need to, they need to keep. We, we can duty together. We need to duty together. Right. That, that's the thing. The future of gaming is polyamorous. Everyone right. needs to know that. It's I, also very I love that. I'm going to quote you on that one. Yeah. Yeah, and and biracial, and and we should be accepting of all of these things. Mm-hmm. That this is this is the future of gaming, and, and yeah, everyone needs to be able to play together, and everyone needs access to as much shit as they can get access to. Mm-hmm. If we're going to keep meeting our quarterly earnings, <laughs> right, and not just like make art or some bullshit like that. Um, who has time to make art? Yeah, no kidding. I, 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 what is art? Paint a dollar, right. you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I'm right there with you. I feel like. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. The future of gaming and as, as things continue to consolidate, everything needs to play together. Accessibility is the new thing. And this is in terms of everything, in terms of where you get your games, in terms of how you play your games. Thank you, The Last of Us 2. Um, in terms of... Uh, yeah, where you can where you can purchase your games and uh, where yeah, where you can access them. Yeah, you know, um, all of that needs to be available to as many people as possible in as many ways as possible, and all of that like greatly expands the um, the amount of people you need for mm. such things. I mean, and this is coming from a YouTube space where I see some of my favorite creators talking about, hey, we're still working on the translation to Portuguese mm -hmm. from a video I watched like three days ago. And I'm like, holy fuck, like there's a lot of demand around the world for this two and a half hour YouTube video about NFTs. So imagine thinking about like a triple a video game and how popular mm -hmm. that would be all over the world and how you need all kinds of teams to just make that even possible yeah. so many resources to make it possible so yeah everyone everyone really needs to play nice and i think we're i think i think the industry seems to be slowly starting to realize that mm -hmm. outside of the ceo and management head lizards right. that are like hey here's some nfts kids like those right please please buy these nfts i am so upside down on my cryptocurrency because i'm an idiot and got sucked into right and we scheme. have been planning by the way on doing an episode specifically talking about nfts especially mm -hmm. because a lot of our listeners have requested like hey could you just explain this to us in a way that doesn't like demean us and like yeah. just get into it we we want to yes. but this news was just so huge we had to kind of sit down and talk about it yeah. and so when we talk about the future of gaming you know we think of it as you know second verse same as first we're going to hit the next five-year life cycle of consoles it'll be the new it'll be the ps6 it'll mm. be the new xbox that'll be called the xbox q or something and then nintendo will do nintendo mm -hmm. right it always does right nintendo will do nintendo and i think that's the only consistent thing at this point is that nintendo will just do nintendo that's fine yeah, nintendo's gonna stay in the space yeah. and continue to be wildly popular among a pretty large group of people for doing things completely different than the rest of the industry does. Right. But now we look at all this and go, all right, so we have Microsoft consolidating companies and power. Sony's consolidating you know, companies and power. Where does the future lie? And I think that right now, look no further than Steam and the Epic Game Store. These are two yep. similar products. Mm-hmm with vastly different system games that are in those ecosystems. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the direction that we're looking at when it comes to the future of things like PlayStation and the Xbox. Definitely. No longer are we looking at you. You, I think I, by the way, when I'm saying this, I'm not saying you will never buy a console again. You're probably going to buy a fucking console because consoles, yeah. you're going to get at least two more consoles. Yeah, the, I guarantee yeah, it. The, it's going to be a thing, mm. but you're not buying the console strictly for the console it then becomes the library of games, yep. right? And, and Microsoft, by the way, oh, been, see, Microsoft understands they've that. been and playing this game for a long time. Just nobody except for apparently us has seen it. Yeah, and, and that's what I'm scared about for Nintendo. Is Nintendo is terrible at letting you keep your library. Mm -hmm. Every time they have a new generation of console, uh, your library goes away. Even if you bought a bunch of NES classics on your Wii, they're yep. gone. They're yep. gone. If you don't pull up your Wii, I don't, I don't even know if you can still pull up your Wii and play them unless they're downloaded. Mm -hmm. Like if you want to like go on the store and like re-grab like a game that you bought for $5 that was 20 years old on your Wii, you can't do it anymore. Mm. So like, it, like the Nintendo library needs to move with you. 
Like, please, Nintendo, if you do anything with <laughs> right, the internet, please. do that. Yeah. Um, but, so, they, but yeah, Microsoft gets it. Sony is getting better at it, but they're nowhere even remotely close to where Microsoft is. Yeah. And so I think when we talk about the future of gaming, you know, like we said, consoles will always exist. Um, because honestly, consoles are a, a cheaper alternative for a lot of people. I mean, yep. we, you can't talk about you know yeah. any aspect of gaming without even you know talking about the class of you know. That's true. Yeah, you know, system. consoles. That, yeah. While it is consoles, ex- consoles are accessibility. Yeah, yeah, it's an expensive buy-in, but every home has a television. Every home usually has a room dedicated to their television, yeah. and every console can hook up to nearly any television that's come out in the last like ten years. Yeah. So that's good. Not every home has a space for an uh, you know an at-home computer with a you know world-class VR fucking graphics and, rig. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, that's the thing is that when we, when we, when I wanted to dive into this topic originally, it wasn't just like a, it's going to be a Sony versus Microsoft battle because yeah. that battle has not been going on. No, it's like, not a battle. It's not on, even a cold pe- war. People online have been making this battle a thing for a long time. And we've been saying on this show, you can go back a couple years on our show and we've been saying this isn't the battle that you think that it is. Yeah, console wars aren't real. The My, console wars are between the fans. Micro, Those consoles yeah, are never Microsoft at war. has not been giving a shit about competing against Sony forever. They've been yeah. comparing. They've been comparing themselves to Steam. Mm-hmm. That's their battle. Yeah, is and when Steam. when it was you know the Xbox One, we all laughed at them, and now it's a little different. Now, right. now that we're at the Series X, it's like. Yeah, no, Game Pass is fucking awesome. Yeah. It's not Steam. Well, nothing Steam. I mean, Epic Games is giving away two free games every 17 days. And they still won't be profitable for like 10 years. And they still don't do a tenth of the number Steam does. So, like, Steam is Steam. And everything else is everything else. Yeah. So, the future of gaming. Hector... Go into it. What do you think the future of gaming is? Again, the future of gaming is polyamorous. We're all going to get together and love each other and play games together because we all need each other. Sony needs Microsoft. Microsoft needs so Sony. So even if the platforms are separate, if it's a... Let's take the consoles out of the equation. Mm-hmm. If there's a Microsoft store and a Sony store, they will have their own titles that you want to play on those, uh, yeah. those specific things. Mm-hmm. But there will definitely be some cross-pollination. There will definitely be cross-pollination. There will be places... I mean... What I would really, really love, and this is my utopian future idea, and here's the thing about, like, about stat-based gamers, Mm -hmm. about, you know, the nitty-gritty type of gamers, the gamers who love their, their... their, their their steam level, you know, mm-hmm. their, their their achievements, their cards, their their their, their hats. custom, their hats, their their, their custom everything. Um, getting these people to leave Steam for anything is hard for a few reasons. One, there's no unified friends list, so mm-hmm. they lose friends from platform to platform. Two, there's their unified achievement list, so they lose mm-hmm. achievements from platform to platform, and they don't get to. Getting achievements on a platform you never use feels like a waste of time because they're not it's on true. your Steam profile. Yeah. And a lot of the time, and it's becoming less and less of a thing now, but online connectivity with people was always a problem. Mm-hmm. If I buy this game on console, I can play with my one friend who really wants to play this with me on console. But I can't play with any of my friends on Steam. And I got this one friend, but I got like 400 Steam friends. So mm-hmm. I, 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 
I don't know, <laughs> you know, and it's always difficult. So what we need, what we actually need is for all of these people to get together and like polyam family it mm-hmm. and be like, yo guys, some sister wives, look, look one friends list like we, we all put our money in the pot and we pull out what we need. Mm-hmm. One friends list, one achievement list. These games all have the same fucking achievements, no matter what platform they're mm-hmm. on. They just display them differently. Yeah. One achievement list, one friends list. And there's probably like two other things that are missing, but those two things would draw in thousands of more people to other platforms. <laughs> I have friends that would absolutely buy games on the Epic Store if they knew their achievements would transfer mm. and they could still play with their friends. That's true. I feel like your vision of the future of gaming is definitely a more utopian idea. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know it, how that's going to happen. I, I don't know if we can get there. That's a, that's yeah. a, that's maybe the, if, that's, if I accomplish that, I'll go into foreign policy. Right. That's yeah. yeah. If we accomplish <laughs> that, you should definitely go into foreign policy. Yeah. and You can bring us world peace. Oh I, yeah, I'll have Putin like you know drinking whiskey in a Texas bar. Right. Yeah, I respect that. the hustle. But I do think when I when I view it, maybe I'm just not viewing it on a long enough timeline. What I am seeing when it comes to the future of gaming is the no console future, in air quotes, you will always be able to buy a console. Mm-hmm. But we now have platforms instead of consoles. You'll have the Sony platform, you'll have the Microsoft platform. Mm-hmm. There will be the polyamorous biracial future you were talking about where there will be cross-pollination with everybody. Damn right. Um, but, you know, you will never play The Last of Us on Xbox, et right. cetera, et cetera. So you'll probably have all of these platforms maybe on your PC. I have to load up the Xbox app or the Sony app or the mm-hmm. Nintendo app. That would be weird if that happens because they're like 20 years behind behind anyway oh god but, it, it would take nintendo 100 years to develop a nintendo app for your pc right <laughs> but the idea is like a shared gaming space is better for everyone than the let's be real let's just call it out right now the fucking toxicity of these like people who believe in the console war still be right. existing <laughs> Let, let, let's 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 realize that everyone who's really into the console wars is projecting. Yeah, they like a thing, and because they like a thing, like I don't know the. Uh, uh, I can only think of the racist football names. Uh, Okay, the Dallas Cowboys. Like, they really like the Dallas Cowboys. Mm -hmm. So they hate the San Francisco 49ers. That's what the console wars are. There are a bunch of Microsoft fans that, because they like Microsoft, they hate Sony. Have they ever tried Sony? Have they ever tried rooting for them going in there? No. Same thing from Sony's end. There's a bunch of Sony people who have just loved Sony since PlayStation 1. And every time they look at an Xbox, they want to throw up a little because they hate Bill Gates for some reason. They they don't even know who Phil Spencer is. You know, like, these are... (laughs) the console wars it's a bunch of nice guy he is the console wars are a bunch of uneducated nonsense like please just drop it and let people like shit it's more fun to like things than to hate other things that are not the things you like please just do that if playing it takes two together has taught me anything is that when we get to play together Mm -hmm. we have so much more fun than working against one another agreed agreed and what a fantastic game to really bring that point home. Mm-hmm. The future of consoles or the future of gaming really is a, a place where we can all play together and really embrace loving what we have as gamers instead of fighting against each other. Like, let's just stop that. Yeah. So that's everything that we have for the show this week. We got deep there at the end. By the we way, yeah. that It Takes Two thing, not even scripted. That, no, no. That, that, this that is was, how good this is. That's why it's game of the year. This is, this is, <laughs> that came from the heart. Yeah. That's all the, what, that, what that was right there. 
That is everything that we have for the show this week. Don't forget that you can head over to patreon.com slash to become a patron of our show. Again, um, we just got re-control of our Patreon page yep. so that new the PT episode will be going up soon. Mm-hmm. Um, you can head over to facebook.com slash gnggcast where you can chat with us as well as talk with me at, uh, at gnggcast on Twitter. Uh, but until next time, for Hector, this is James. One thing real quick, and, oh, then, we and then we'll do the thing. We are about to take a little bit of a vacation. Oh, thank you for reminding me. Mm-hmm. So I have to go out of town for work, mm-hmm. and then so we'll be taking about a two-week hiatus. Yep. And that was just because I've got to go to Florida, and hopefully I don't die. Yeah, don't die. So Wear a mask. I, I will be wearing Wash a mask. I will be there for work, and then I'm going to maybe hopefully go on a lesser populated day to the harry potter world yeah that's the, which sounds fucking awesome just yeah. if you see covid just wave a wand in. yeah i'll it just wave away. my wand at covid and yeah. it'll be fine that's i hear that works mm-hmm. all right so yeah we'll be gone for about two weeks hopefully nothing newsworthy happens in the two weeks yeah oh yeah it's not like two, a couple major video games aren't coming out <laughs> right <laughs> so until next time for hector this is james and for james this has been hector everyone good night and good game